Okay, welcome back to Bon Voyage, everybody. I'm Rob. I'm Adam. And a returning guest uh, from way back, early in the show. I think it was Live and Let Die, which was Adam. Episode 6, I think, yeah. Was it that late? Uh... Yeah, I guess so. It was after Goldfinger and The Living Daylights. Yeah, it was episode 6. Yep, episode 6. So 12 movies ago. Uh, welcome back, JP. Glad to be back. Missed you guys. Missed you. Uh, I think when you were here, you mentioned uh, Brosnan was the one you knew growing up, and you played the video game. So we actually penciled you in back then to do Goldeneye with us. So here we are three and a bit months later. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Do you, did you have the game? Did you play it with your friends? Do you remember the movie? So I think like anybody else like in our age group who grew up, around the 90s it was like a staple in somebody's house to have Goldeneye absolutely and you know I grew up Sega Genesis so we didn't have any Nintendo 64s I would go to my friend's house play Goldeneye and get my ass kicked sure like you were one of those totally oh yeah I was just there for like the free popcorn or whatever snacks were at that day there's a time and maybe I bet you some people still think this that uh Bond Goldeneye was the like the mascot for the 64 as much as mario or zelda like it, it really mm -hmm. was a staple game for that console and it's still like most in the community revere that as the best james bond game i never played it and i know about it as one of the big n64 games right yeah, it, so. it changed the first person shooter and kind of eclipsed the movie which never happens a video game based off a movie is never a hit like this because it's not just a James Bond game. It's specifically Goldeneye. And it, yeah. it's it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point. Because uh, I was just about to say, like, I don't remember much of the movie. I've seen the movie, but uh, I can tell you, just like I remember the rooms and everything from right. that video game. Um, and I wonder, like, I, I wonder, like, what other situation where a video game surpassed the movie? You know, I think more than I was it's just one of It's easier to think of all the movies based off video games that mm -hmm. are complete shit. It's hard yeah. to think of a video game based off a movie that's actually a hit. It's very rare. And like ever since then, every other one hasn't popped. Every James Bond one, I mean. They did one for The World Is Not Enough, also for the 64, and it wasn't nearly as big a hit. Hmm. And they did like this one. They did Goldeneye Revisited for the Wii. Uh, and they had Craig do it. Oh. And oh, really? it wasn't great. And then they did Legends with Craig, where he did six of the classic missions. Like, Bond was, like, uh, having flashbacks. He was being tortured and thinking of former missions. And it was, Dan it was like, a modern one. It was Daniel Craig. And he was flashing back to all these old things. So you got to do, like, the attack on Fort Knox and Goldfinger, but as Daniel Craig. And that one was kind of neat. But it was James, it was Activision, it was Call of Duty, but you were James Bond. Mm -hmm. Like, no was gadgets. He doing the voice acting for it? I think so. I don't know if it was just his, like, uh, his, his likeness. likeness. Yeah. yeah. He did the voice for one of them. I forget if it was the new Goldeneye or the Legends. Did Brozzy do the voice for the Goldeneye game? There weren't any voices, it was subtitles. Oh, okay, okay. Just his mm -hmm. likeness. You know, like, thinking of Goldeneye, I always think of, like, being around that table or being around like in you know someone's basement with all your friends kind of crammed in uh sharing that console and i remember when you were talking about doing this again i was like yeah let's watch goldeneye but you know with covid and everything i was like oh i hope we can watch it together and i know 
out of me doing it remotely, but I was like, GoldenEye always has like that kind of social feeling to it. Definitely. Back when mm -hmm. video games were that, mm -hmm. like now what we're, well, Adam, in case you guys can't tell, is remote right now, but uh, yes, that's how most people co-op games now. But yeah, you're right, when, in middle school, in the mid-90s or whatever, when we were playing this, and we played on a TV that was as small as this laptop, four-player split screen. And now I've got this yeah. friggin' 50 or, I forget, 60-inch TV. And when we play split-screen, I'm like, it's too small. I can't handle it. Yeah. Well, most games, you can't even do split-screen anymore. It's all Yeah, like... it, it's rare. Yeah. Yeah, because people are obsessed with graphics, and it just didn't matter. Oh, yeah, I had all the... I was a pro. I would have people come over and would destroy them. I had all the spawn locations memorized. <laughs> I was a total screen watcher. I would lay down the proximity mines at all the spawn locations, so you would just spawn oh. and blow up. Yeah. Then we turn asshole. on. <laughs> yeah. He was that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Turn on slaps only. That was fun. If childhood us could like see us now with like the access of all those childhood movies that we have, all the streaming services, all the video games that we want, and we're at a point where we're just like, you know, people are making podcast shows where they're like analyzing these this enjoyability that you've grown up on. It's like the embarrassment of riches that we have with content, like. Mm. I wouldn't mm -hmm. believe you if you told me about it. Like, I remember getting, my dad was a member of, it was like Columbia Records, except for movies. Oh, like you got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you would get a, uh, what do you call it, catalog right. or whatever, like a brochure every six weeks or something, and he would let me circle two movies. Like, it was a, you pay by the year, and you mm -hmm. get five movies each time. He would get three, mm -hmm. and I was allowed to get two. It was the most exciting thing, and I could go through, and I would, like, circle a few, and then go back through and put the check mark next to the ones I really want. And I would always yeah. circle it. Like, you had to pay more for extras, and I would always circle a few more, hoping he would get them. This is how we accumulated such a huge VHS collection. And, uh, wow. yeah, like, that to me, and I was spoiled. Like, that to me was cooler than what most people had. Like, mm -hmm. we didn't... While we were in a small town, our video store was like at the Irving. Like we didn't have a Blockbuster in town or anything, so we couldn't just rent them. And anyway, yeah, if you told me that, I could just click on that image of that movie poster and it would be there instantly instead of like circling it and maybe it'll get there in three or four weeks. <laughs> and then we have to re rewind it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite something where we're at. I mean, I would have done this back then too. If oh, it for sure. I, like, if I've it was always possible. loved talking about the movies. But now there's that nostalgic factor, too, of just, like, you know, you with your VHS copies. copies. It's so, um, yeah. it, it brings you back to, like, you know, having to rewind and having to put the tracking on to get, like, the stability in your movie. Like, yeah, my, I forget what release it was, because Star Wars came out in 77, but I have one of the original VHS of it, and it just doesn't work anymore. Mm. It has been watched so much. <laughs> It was just Star Wars. It was before it was even rebranded as Episode Four and New Hope. Like it was one of the first VHS that came out, and I got it at a, at a, like a, what do you pawn shop in Germany? Mm. Oh, you're gonna have to bleep that. <laughs> you can't say okay. it. No, it's a it's a running joke. We uh, forever we didn't say where we're from, uh, and then just a few weeks ago we started to, and since we hadn't, we're pretending like we're spies. We're in an oh, undis okay. undisclosed location, so Adam keeps bleeping it on us. Yeah, Especially when you and said Irving. There it's you like go. People don't even know what Irving is. Yeah, you're right. A gas, sorry, a gas station. <laughs> that too. Uh, I knew this would happen. I was actually going to say right when we got started that, Adam, you're going to need to keep me on track because we're starting late and we have to. This is episode 19. We're starting our third quarter. We're supposed to do a bit of a recap. That's right. 
And uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep talking and talking, as you know. Well, let's let's do that recap and get that get that done. All right. So we've been discussing this at work a little bit. We uh, see. I'm already off. I, I get way ahead of myself. <laughs> so there's 24 movies we're doing. This is, and we've done a, a recap every six. So we've broken it down into quarters. So last week's episode was the end of the third quarter. So do you, do we even bother talking about the first and second one again, Adam, or do they just have to go back and see those? I'll, I mean, so the one sentence summary of it is the first quarter was Bond getting started. Sure. Uh, the second quarter was Bond meeting Spectre, mm-hmm. right? And becoming famous, kind of. Yeah, I would say uh, like, yeah, that. Like uh, going from, like he busted a few heroin dealers and had his heart broken and had one big mm-hmm. world event in chapter one. Chapter two was like big into espionage. Yeah, meeting, saving the world like yeah. on the global scale so a few Spectre times. Spectre is a giant criminal orga- organization. He had his first dealings with them in chapter two. Th- three of the six movies was dealing with lower management inspector and defeating mm-hmm. them, of course. And then chapter three is Bond getting married and then she is tragically killed. And then um, that's this one. He... That's the one we're supposed to recap a bit better. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he, well. yeah, chapter uh, <laughs> chapter two ends with Bond for the third time in a row. So he he stopped an assassin at uh, name of the Golden Gun, and stopped some tech from going on the market. That's gonna oh that was the energy crisis thing. Yeah, the Solex agitator, and then he stopped a madman uh, industrialist from poisoning the world and starting his new Nazi regime in space. And then yeah. an octopus, he stopped a nuke from going on in an American base in Germany. So, and so these are really high profile, so he was super famous. That was the end of chapter two. The start of chapter three, he was so famous, he decided he had to fake his own death so that all the so people are not looking for him anymore, so he can go back yeah. to looking for Spectre. So the first movies in Chapter 3 are dealing with Spectre, and he's getting higher up. He encounters Blofeld, who is the head of Spectre for the first time. He stops them from... What was You Only Live Twice? They were stealing spaceships. Yeah, yeah, they were stealing spaceships and putting them in a volcano lair. Yeah. They, As he, you do. Yeah, he busted yeah. Blofeld in his awesome Japanese volcano lair where he was blackmailing the world. Uh, threatening to bomb cities, you know, the usual. As per usual. Bond stopped him, but Blofeld escaped. And then they went to Vegas. He chased down Blofeld there, where Blofeld had made a bunch of clones of himself. What was his plot in that one? Again, shooting down satellites, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because he had that oil rig with the tape. That's right. Cassette tape. Man, Diamonds Are Forever, if you ever get a minute and want to watch something completely fucking bonkers, that... That was the one that I think I had seen the least, mm-hmm. and I already mm-hmm. forget it. it was uh, Sean Connery's um, blast. his final one. Yeah. Well, it's funny because just when you're talking about like, so he stole sta- spaceships, and uh, there was these clones. I was like, yeah, is this like some very Star Wars esque kind of like inspiration or what? There are well, and then we watched the one right after that. Is not only the best Bond movie, but straight up a really good movie. Right after, like the mm-hmm. the vast. Uh, chasm between the greatest Bond movie and the worst Bond movie is hilarious <laughs> that it's in the same series like especially yeah. those two back to back and what's funny when they came out the bonkers one did a lot better like people didn't want the good indie movie so mm-hmm. 
in the third one of this last chapter, uh, he goes undercover again to bust Blofeld, falls in love with a woman, uh, defeats Blofeld, gets married, and then Blofeld, he had escaped at the end, mm -hmm. Bond gets married, uh, and then Blofeld comes to get revenge on Bond, shoots the car, misses Bond, kills his wife, and it ends on that, like roll credits, ended on a huge downer. And yeah. is this still pre is this Pierce Brosnan? Oh, this Bond? is no, this is way back. Okay. So Connery did uh, five, and mm -hmm. then a one-off guy, George Lazenby, did on Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't a big hit. People missed Connery. It's a whole. Go back mm -hmm. to the old episodes if you want to mm -hmm. uh, hear more about that. Then it brought Connery back for one mm -hmm. more after that. It was pretty serious, and like I said, ended on such a downer. It was very much like the novels. Is this it, the first Pierce Brosnan? movie that you guys are watching? No, that we're watching. The second. The, it's the second one we're watching. It's the first one he actually did. In our chronology, it's right. Brazi's second mission. Mm -hmm. We've watched Tomorrow Never Dies already. Okay. So in our chapter after, sorry, in our chronology, Honor Majesty's Secret Service happens. She dies. His wife, Tracy, dies. He takes like, what did we say, six months to a year off, and then his yeah. CIA buddy talks him into coming... Uh, he was part of the um, the wedding party on the group yeah, side. Exactly. He he uh, was getting married, so asked Bond to be his best man. And uh, right shortly after the wedding, uh, a guy who this uh, Mexican drug dealer, who the CIA agent had a feud with, showed up and killed killed the wife, brutally maimed Bond's mm -hmm. buddy via so shark. Via shark, That's lowered him into a shark tank. And we uh, then sat back and watched the most violent, vengeful yeah. Bond. So his wife just died, his best friend got maimed, and his best friend's wife was killed. He quit the agency, went down went to Mexico, and just murdered a bunch of people in the most violent yeah. Bond movie. It's the closest it's one like, to being rated R. Hmm. Emo John Wick Bond movie. Kind exactly, of. yeah. So he got his revenge out of his system. Then uh, the next one, he laid some flowers on Tracy's grave, killed Blofeld by scooping him up in his wheelchair and dumping him into a smoke staff. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, via helicopter. Uh, and then, yeah, just did two average missions. Well, no, for your eyes only, doesn't really matter. He stopped another thing from getting into Russia's hand. And then the last mm -hmm. week, so I think it's a good one to end on The Spy Who Loved Me in that dark chapter. In The Spy Who Loved Me and then going forward, Bond is now, like, he's had his heart broken twice. Uh, he saved the world a bunch of times. He's in the zone and he doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's yeah. he's entering a very fun time bond period. He's he, yeah he's done caring, uh, done caring, done following the rules. He's going to start drinking a lot more, killing a lot more people, and having some real bonkers missions as as uh, in the form of Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. And we do have one more Raji to get to at the end. Mm -hmm. Is that a relatively decent? summary yeah yeah in in short we have we four quarters here the first quarter was bond starting the second quarter was bond becoming more successful and famous the third quarter rob just described as um dealing with blofeld and tragedy the dark chapter if you will and now we're entering the final chapter his late career the late career experienced bond grisly broken jaded reckless even a little bit but still total pro he still gets the job done so having not seen most of these movies do you, is there more weight to him like did you know he was ever married and lost I his didn't wife? and I almost want to ask that question without like sounding like a 
a noob do you be like what's a Chewbacca like I wanted to like go there (laughs) (laughs) most people don't know that it's like one of the least seen ones and it's one of the best ones yeah yeah Um, yeah, you know he's always he always has a love interest but I actually thought that James Bond was known as you know never being locked down well so in the reboot with Casino Royale you see Mm -hmm. why he's so at arm's distance with women because he lost his first love she died in his arms and then Tracy also died in his arms so uh, Mm -hmm. that's why he has that reputation people like in the original canon they didn't do Casino Royale you had to like read the book to know why he was so jaded with women because Vesper died so tragically and then yeah he finally again decides to quit the life and get married and she's immediately killed Hmm. so that's why he's kind of so hard on them and just uses women to get what he needs basically which i guess is great because if you're gonna have 17 plus movies of something you want to have some kind of backstory where your protagonist isn't just one dimensional because it's like all right yeah he's a man of mystery and i understand that but maybe there'll be more engagement for you know the true uh Bond fans out there, they can actually see, like the, like you, like you were saying, like this, the, where you're coming into a Bond era where he's kind of like he's got some life experience behind him. He's, yeah, yeah. he's seen some shit. It helps with that reputation that he has in the public as being just a womanizing dick, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just going through the women and not caring. If you know what he's been through, hmm. not that it justifies all of his choices with women, but it helps. <laughs> He's problematic. <laughs> he is that. All right, I'm super stoked. There are so many awesome yeah. characters in this one. This is one of uh, the Bond world's favorite, not just because of the video game, but in general. There's, it's a great villain, one of my favorite Bond girls. Dame Judy's back. Mm. Their mm. chemistry is awesome. You'll, you'll love some of uh, their dialogue, Adam. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. It, last time I watched it, this this isn't my favorite Brazi, actually, surprisingly. It used to be. It was my favorite as a kid, but uh, I didn't enjoy it as much. So I'm looking forward to you know, seeing if it's better this time around. I'm excited for some Brazi, for some 90s, for the, yeah, the one where I, I know the name Goldeneye. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great villain, too. And this is uh, Adam's birth year movie. We, we've oh, already, dang. Oh, that's right, yeah, 95. Mine, yeah, mine's, oh, my goodness, you're young. Yeah, he's a baby. Yeah, I'm a little baby. <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park was out and you weren't born, man. <laughs> I know. That's yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of stuff was out and I wasn't born. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that comes like up a lot. 12 Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, More, yeah. man. Yeah, well, 16. Uh, yeah, we already watched. There was one that came out in 87, too. So, oh, okay. Missing Hours, Living Daylights, yeah. All right, let's go watch the movie. You excited, JP? Super stoked, buddy. Right on. We'll see everybody in a few minutes or seconds. How long are your bounces, anyway? Uh, depends on what you say right when we go to break. <laughs> depends. So this one should be nice and extra long. Yeah, yeah. See you in 22 seconds. <laughs> okay, see ya. I guess we can start. JP's just, you know, being JP, getting a drink, taking his time. Oh, yeah. I suppose you'll want to be in his year, too, before mm-hmm. you give us your first thoughts, Adam. I'll wait. 
<laughs> okay, now do it. How are you feeling? Uh, man, that was great. Oh, good. That was really good. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought you'd like it. JP, first thoughts. Just first thoughts? Feeling? I thought it was a nostalgic adventure. Nice. What about you, Bobby? Uh, it was great. Better than I remembered. How I said last time, I didn't really enjoy it. Watching it after watching... 18 of these other ones it's even better <laughs> uh yeah or whatever we're at that's what we said right 18 this is the 19th we've watched yeah like the nods to all the other ones and man sorry i'm getting beyond first thoughts as i always do but the i keep loving this chronology that we've come up with like all the stuff i said in the intro has followed through like it makes sense where he's at in this one he's fucking yeah. crazy for sure. Yeah, he gives no fucks. He is reckless, <laughs> kills people, takes so many friggin' risks. Like he's, he's caught yeah. like cool enhancement all that, but uh, not collected like Connery was. Like he's not mm -hmm. slow or reserved or anything. Like he's balls deep. <laughs> Sorry for being crude. No, yeah, yeah, that's appropriate for this brazy bond. Yeah. Sorry, I like cut you off. I was like. Two sentences, first thoughts. You go, you go. Now I'll go and talk, oh, for, talk 15 for a minute. minutes. You guys yeah. chill and listen. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody yeah. else lead it. <laughs> JP, uh, instead of being a guest, be the guest host. All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, um, does somebody, I mentioned to JP that the guest normally does the uh, summary. Summary. If, mm -hmm. Do you want to give it a stab? Yeah, I'll give it a try. All right, go for it. I know last time I like did this very detailed summary, and Rob was mm -hmm. saying that last time you guys had Kat on, and she did like three sentences and just killed it. So um, I won't be able to do that justice, but I'll definitely give this one a try without going uh, too much in detail. So um, I'd say with this movie here, we're back in the uh, world of James Bond with the introduction of Pierce Brosnan, where the movie starts with. Uh, 007006 going on a mission where uh, it goes awry and we, we lose 006. From there, we fast forward to nine years later where uh, 007 is being interviewed by uh, a psychologist in his own uh, witty, sexualized uh, way. He overcomes her and, uh, <laughs> you know, probably has sex with her. Uh, and then we see that there's, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, something going on with the missiles or this project called Goldeneye. Am I getting ahead of myself? Eh, nah, well. I'm getting ahead of myself, eh? No, that's good. There's, there's, he, he there's follows, definitely a he Russian. He a pretty lady yeah, who stole a, a helicopter. Oh, right, that's right. So there's, steals and they, they start by just driving on the same road together. Yeah, we'll we'll break that down after. That's my only confusing point of this plot. And that same woman is, at the same time, uh, the, uh, the, the Russian or one of the antagonists, not probably not the antagonist, but one of the bad people in the... I call her a hench person. Yeah, she's, she's hench the hench woman, woman, for sure. Yeah. And in good old 90s fashion, it's definitely got to be a, a Russian henchman because mm -hmm. the Russian, Russian henchmen bad. seem to be what the bad people would be in movies until 2001. Now, now they are again. Yeah, that's true. Eh? <laughs> kind of like an homage. Um, and then from there, we uh, are seeing that 007 is on this mission. He's following this uh, henchwoman, where she gets to where they get to a point where this. I, I'm definitely hit, skipping places. Don't worry about it. This is well, what happens yeah. when I don't hey, do my. You're a man after my own heart. <laughs> you, you don't have few words. Like sorry, Adam. <laughs> 
It's all good. Rogue agents steal a satellite technology, uh, and Bond is sent in to investigate. Uh, finds out it's someone involved in, a, in the Russian government, mm -hmm. a, a rogue agent, and with ties to the mafia, they use it to threaten London. Bond saves the day. And we yeah. find out that the main bad guy in this is actually 006 that we thought right. was yeah. dead and Who he was behind it the whole time. Didn't get killed, he just got some scars. Right. Which, if you think about it, up. if you're going to have Eddard Stark be in your movie, you're not going to kill him off in the first uh, scene. Of course. Sean, but Sean Bean. in Sean Bean fashion, he does die. That's true. And that's very true. well. I think that's in his contract, yeah. right? He died yeah, three yeah. times, or he should have died three times. Should have blown up in that facility. Should have. That fall definitely should have fucking killed him. Probably should have died mm -hmm. in the friggin' train crash. And then definitely on the fall. And then definitely when the satellite fell on his face. Mm. Maybe that's why they cut their, his head off in Game of Thrones. Just to, yeah, really just to be sure, sure he's actually yeah, dead. Yeah. And in Lord of the Rings, he got like 18 arrows in him before that's he finally point. died. Right. Yeah, yeah. He dies did, very did they, well. They burn him or something in Lord of the Rings. His body. Nah, they sent him over a waterfall mm. with all of his, with the weapons of his slain foes in the oh, in yeah, the canoe yeah. with him. Yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a dork. I, I love me some fellowship, but that's not what we're doing here. No, uh, it's not. On on that related topic, not only was Sean Bean in this, but uh, freaking Hagrid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hagrid and two X Men alum too. Oh really? Jean uh, Grey. Jean Grey is Zenyana top, and uh, oh, okay. Nightcrawler was uh, Boris, the hacker. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He looks really familiar. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah he's pretty great. Let's just get right into it because it's late and you're tired. Uh, the pre-title sequence. How, so look at it from the rather than we'll get into how genius our chronology is after maybe, but uh, the context <laughs> of when this came out. Uh, it had been a six-year hiatus. The world wanted Pierce Brosnan and his Bond. So, like, how patient they were before they fully showed his face. Like, this strange man all in black running along that dam, that killer stunt, that dam jump. And then you just see his eyes and the repeller thing. And then the laser gun. How freaking cool. Like, were you into it right away? It's a damn good intro. And the actual shot where you see his full face, he's upside down in a toilet with a guy shitting. Sorry. Mm. Like, it's Should've the not. perfect way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The perfect way to introduce Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And for the first time that you're... Yeah, exactly. Like, for introducing Pierce Brosnan, like, he was super suave. Like, he had, like, the mm -hmm. quick one-lines. And it. I found that, like, he wanted to kind of like put a certain feel for what his James Bond was going to be and I think he did that so quickly where I find again I can only compare this to uh, Tomorrow Never Die not Tomorrow Never Dies but um, Live and Let Die Live and Let Die which was Connery's or Roger, Roger Moore's, Moore's first, first one yeah, yeah. where I felt mm -hmm. he was a little slow into uh, he wasn't even in the pre-title sequence in his first one Right, it was That's those. Right. Oh yeah, the killers. Yeah, like the three different assassinations yeah. in New York, Haiti, and New Orleans. Yeah, or made up Haiti. <laughs> See, I think Pierce like just set the stage quickly. Like this is the type of Pierce of Double uh, I'm gonna be, and let's go. So my my complaint with Pierce often, one of my common complaints anyway, is he doesn't know what he is. He's like campy and silly with the one-liners, but then gets really intense and serious. But he even set that off from the get-go, even in the pre-title sequence. Like 
he does those silly things that joke in the toilet knocks the guy out and then has a bit of a serious moment with 006 for England and all that like ready to save the world again but it again watching Goldeneye by itself when I'm like really into Sean Connery or really into the Craig ones I watch this I'm like this is lame but watching it in our order where he you know has just lost his wife a while ago and he's a bit of a friggin maniac it makes more sense that he is kind of manic and like tells jokes and uh can't take things too seriously but does still like at his core he loves england and is going to save the day <laughs> it makes more well, sense in that way i guess and, and that's the thing that kind of ties together like being silly being serious being impulsive you know being meticulous is like he just doesn't give a fuck He's just doing his thing. Different things call for different attitudes and approaches, and he just does it. He does the thing. I like that he, uh, well, M mentions it in one of their uh, talks, that he's all instinct, and Pierce mm -hmm. more than any of them. Like like I said before, Roger Moore and Sean Connery, they're more like cats, like prowling cats that go around. This guy's just all in all the time. Doesn't look like he stops and thinks like a at puppy. all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more like a puppy. He just dives right in. Yeah. Doesn't test the water, grabs a gun, and just goes. Craig's a bit like that. Roger was at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me. He was just saving the day, but otherwise was usually more calculated. Mm -hmm. mm. You're right. Bun was a. There's a, a. I feel like there's a confidence with him. I was like watching him do his thing and very quickly. It's like if I was in a situation and Pierce Brosnan was there, I would be like, all right, I'm following you blindly because <laughs> yeah. you seem but to know what you're doing. You're not second guessing. Confidence to the point of recklessness. Like, 006 had just been caught, and he automatically changes the bomb down to six, from six minutes to three. He's like, ah, fuck it. And they're like executing people in that facility. And then he grabs those bombs to yeah. use them as a shield. That was awesome. And like, he's just, yeah. yeah, he's so ballsy. And then, all right, this doesn't look good. Captured or follow a plane off a cliff on a motorbike. <laughs> I'm yeah, going for it. yeah. Which, that was, was that a reference to that um, that big ski jump that we well, just watched? I think the damn jump was a reference to the ski jump, and how it was like mm. when he, when he did the bungee the grappling jump. hook thing. Yeah. yeah, when he did the bungee because it was like slow motion, then the, like it slowed yeah. right down, and then he did the grappling hook. But maybe uh, all right, the jump chasing the plane. I always thought that was completely insane. Oh, yeah. well, it wasn't a MythBusters thing, but somebody explained it like. You could actually do, like somebody diving would go faster because a plane has lift. Like they are made to fall yeah. slower. Not saying you could chase it down and get in it and fly it, but the part of him falling faster does actually make sense, apparently. Well, and I just feel like the other big chunk of Brosnan is like he's extremely lucky. So, mm. <laughs> of course, it worked out. There's for him. bullets everywhere all the time, and mm. none of them yeah. hit him. And I had like 50 henchmen for one, and he's just like killing them all somehow that that's not super unusual but maybe it's just because of the 90s tech and like the special effects are slightly better like that maybe they have more of a budget for it so you see more of the bullets like there's just sparks mm -hmm. all over them and none of them hit them mm -hmm. like with roger moore when he's being chased down you just see a bunch of guys behind him you don't really feel that same sense of danger like it is just and, and the bullets hate. have that weird high-pitched like cheesy sound mm -hmm. of them in the 80s right right but like in 007 movies, there's always so much going on. It's very, very quick. I appreciate it in the uh, pre-credit scenes or the, the pre-songs sequence, uh, whatever you guys want to call it. Yeah. Um, I really liked when he was moving that uh, 
he was like hiding behind the bombs or the, whatever that was. The gas, yeah. The gas, and he was going so slowly in this show. That's yeah. this really like go go go. It's just like this very slow thing, and everybody are like they all have guns on him, yeah. and he's just like still <laughs> slowly moving it. One guy shoots at him, and then the the guy uh, the general Orloff, guy kills Orloff just yeah. kills him. I was like, this is. A great scene. I was very much appreciative of that, and that like yeah. made me excited for the rest of the movie. Being like, I like how uh, they found this kind of quippiness in this moment. Yeah, it, well, it had been fast paced up until mm. like you had quick intrigue with the darkness and the bungee jump, and then yeah, it was super fast paced, and then it finally slowed. And it was after he executed him, right? After he executed well, fake yeah. mock execution. Mm-hmm. All right. While we're at that. Uh, he did shoot the guard, the foot soldier who fired at Bond. He turned and shot him, and he used that same pistol. Did he like switch into blanks, or did he just shoot next to him? Uh, there, there are some holes. I've seen this movie more than ten times, probably, and there's mm-hmm. some stuff. I when I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't see how this all adds up. Like, they did they have this plan from the get go? It, it looks like they did. Like he's been. Obviously, he has all these resources. It took more than nine years to build this empire thing, to hatch this mm-hmm. huge plot. Uh, so Ormov and 006 were working together. So, so they staged that execution. But why stage that execution if you're then just going to kill Bond, which they were trying to do? Like, I know that we do this a lot, trying to make sense of everything when really it's not necessary. Sometimes they're just our holes. But I guess I'm trying to figure that mm-hmm. out. Does it make sense or is that just a hole? I have no idea, man. I like that. I didn't think of the execution as staged. Like, it makes sense now that you're talking about it, but I didn't even get to that level of analysis yet. Right, well, anybody listening want to send that in? Because I've watched this a bunch of times, and that's one of my problems with it, is there are giant plot holes. Some people defend the shit out of this. So then after pre-title sequence, I do want to talk about the title sequence and the song at some point, but after that, talking about plot holes... He was just on a drive with this therapist, and then the hench person just drives by, and they have a little chase. Like, was he... Did I miss something in the dialogue? Was Mm -hmm. he actually on mission following her? So, after that little bit, when he gets that kind of confirmation from MI6 being like, yeah, that this is the Russian agent, because he does the little spyglass thing that's transmitting to MI6, right? And Miss Moneypunny sends the... Yes, yes. ...transmission, being like, yes, this is this, this spy. The way that was worded seemed like... This was someone they were suspicious of, uh, so and he was confirming. Right, like he, that she he was just, works for this Yanis group, who we have suspicions of. Yeah, yeah, okay. and like she was an so ex- he was there for Russian pilot or something. And gotcha. So aside from the, uh, no, sorry, I don't want to get into the ladies already. Um, Do you want to go to the the title sequence? This, yeah, the you must have liked that the imagery of the wall coming down and all the like Lenin and Stalin mm-hmm. and Khrushchev and the hammer and the sickle all crumbling to the really really weird Tina Turner song that song was written by Bono and the Edge yeah that's right oh. yeah. did you catch the so line funny. you'll never know how I watched you from the shadows as a child who what is that even talking about who is is that Bond is, is that, that a reference villain? to the Cold War maybe you'll never know how like, I kind watched of like... you from the shadows as a child it's so weird. Like, kind of, like, politics going on in the USSR at the time. I, I remember when you were on last time, and you got really deep into the black exploitation thing. And yeah. deep, you're going to find new meanings. I love it. 
<laughs> I mean, the way to put the bar high. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, last time too, like when the song itself was uh, Paul McCartney, so I could talk days and days. This song here, I felt it was a little bit on the nose, like uh, just screaming "Golden Eye" at you over yeah. and over again. And for some reason, when I at the end of this movie, all I could think was that I always, I really felt that someone to make this kind of music for this movie here would be Peter Gabriel. I don't know why, but I just felt like the style of this movie would go with a kind of like Peter Gabriel kind of style where I find Tina Turner, it, it kind of clashed. I don't think it brought enough. And I know the title sequence songs isn't necessarily supposed to, I mean, some title sequence songs do have a big- It's funny that you think this one's not bringing it. The new movie, we were just talking about this. I, I like Billie Eilish and everything, but the, it's such a slow song. The, oh, really? No Time to Die, the one coming up, yeah. A, a few of the Craig ones were quite a bit slower. And even some of the old ones. This one's quite uh, yeah, quite brassy. She's uh, I think I think slow can work for spy movies. You know, like it doesn't have to be like, you know. It, it can work. It's bombastic. just No, it's just not my jam. I like some heavy strings or heavy brass, just something big and bold. I like a statement. I I'm, I'm more into I mean, I watch it for the plot, you know. <laughs> yeah. We like different things, man. I like everything yeah, yeah. and some things more than others. But even this song, I would not go home and put this on my playlist. Like I wouldn't no, be it, wanting to no. listen to the song. I'm like this song is a song you can listen to in this movie and I don't see any other moment where I'd be like I gotta throw that Tina Turner song on you're right and when I listen to the if I'm doing chores on a Saturday and I have the Bond theme songs playlist playing this one's one I like laugh at and scream along to to try to uh, hit the Tina Turner notes it's not a fun song but you're right independent mm -hmm. of Bond I wouldn't listen to it I was kind of trying to like it when I was listening to it, and then I saw it was by uh, like Bado and the Edge wrote it, and I was like, okay, I, I can just not like it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you could have gone either way there. I didn't, uh, didn't expect. Actually, I wouldn't have guessed that you didn't like you two. Who knows? Actually, my big association with Bono is the South Park episode where he's literally a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or when iTunes came out and everybody who had iTunes automatically oh, got the YouTube album. Oh my yeah, gosh. They're not that great. And but Tina Turner's got some bangers. Oh, like, for sure. I feel like Tina Turner could have brought it. Um, it almost, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say, Adam, that the that it wasn't a song that that she wrote. I'm not, I'm not sure if Tina Turner writes her own songs or most, not, a lot but of it these, did feel... Sorry. A lot it, of... No, you go first. After you, after you. <laughs> it didn't feel like... Uh, Tina Turner's essence was in it. I was kind of excited to hear well, what's Tina Turner gonna bring mm -hmm. to it because she's got some songs that hit and this one here was just like it was her voice a very beautiful powerful voice but it wasn't it's like her soul wasn't into it yeah yeah they often with these movies the the Bond songs they just bring in a big name of the day and it's not they don't always write it mm -hmm. lately they have like Billie Eilish obviously she wrote her own but like Carly Simon didn't write nobody does it better uh, which is my favorite of them, but I guess McCartney did live and let die. I don't know. Maybe there could be more than I expected. But I, I well, know that it, it seems like uh, when it's like a like a famous singer like Tina Turner or Carly Simon, like it's for the voice, right? Like maybe they had their voice in mind, but like not necessarily their writing style. Right. Or I wouldn't be surprised if Nancy Sinatra didn't write "You Only Live Twice." Yeah, yeah. Like she just performed that. Yeah. And anyway, speaking of the songs, how last week. Um, Nobody Does It Better is my favorite Bond song, but like in the car on a road trip, I would always rather listen to Live and Let Die. 
or even Skyphone. But the, what works best as a Bond song is different than what a good song is outside of that world. So this one I think is mid-pack or low mid low pack for even a Bond song and a regular song nowhere near the top. It's <laughs> yeah. unexceptional in both categories. <laughs> and gladly they didn't seem to overuse it in the movie. Like I was yeah, I didn't thinking, notice it at all. No, well, I don't think they used it much at all. Maybe like parts of it, but you know, like let's say Living Let Die, they overused the crap out of that. This one here, mm. I was glad that they you know, had it at the beginning and then they just brought different types of scores afterwards. It was, it was all weird, Most besides the weird porn song yeah. in the car yeah. chase at the start, it was mostly just cool little mm -hmm. bass riffs and like sound effects. Yeah. Reminiscent of the game. It's all, yeah, it's the video game soundtrack. It sounded like 90s N64 action yeah. music, yeah. Yeah. I looked up the the score stuff this time again, and because um, the, the part I really liked was that tank chase. The score for that whole part was really good. Which was the Bond theme? <laughs> well, it was that, but it was like orchestra, like there was way more to it. Yeah, like yeah, way more but color it, it and all was an homage to that. It was, yeah. yeah. And what happened was like the person doing the score, they like, the people, the director, whoever, didn't think they were doing very well, and they wanted them to redo, like, rescore that whole scene because they didn't like it, uh, and they refused. So they got someone else to do it oh, nice. <laughs> for that that John one. John Barry, scene. right? No, no, someone else. Oh, for this one. Cool. Yeah. I guess that's the music. Is that yeah? The score for the most part is those, like, and like weird twangs yeah. and mm -hmm. like, uh, not twangs. It's not the right word, but it sounds almost like sound effects. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know how to best describe it. You're the music guy. It's like a like a like a cheesy '90s synth kind of thing. Yeah, or it, it seems like a really cool like uh, the Blue Men group would do a, a performance of this kind of music with really oddball instruments. <laughs> yeah, don't you find that like a lot of the score in this was also scores you would find in other 90s movies yeah. other 90s action movies i feel like there's a lot of it that was like oh i've heard this before i felt this style before maybe yeah I, mm. I don't know i kind of dug it though it was quite different from a lot of the bond movies mm. I and mean, it wasn't overdone but i did notice it sometimes you don't notice it at all mm -hmm. lately especially the quote that someone wrote uh, about the score was it was more appropriate for a ride on an elevator than a ride on a roller coaster oh, that's mm. nice that's the criticism. Yeah, apparently John Barry was asked, but he turned it down for some reason. It's funny that that's the analogy, because this movie is certainly more of a roller coaster than an elevator, so. 100%, yeah. And that's really weird, though, that the porn music part. When the chase started right after the titles, mm -hmm. when the DB5 and whatever on the top was driving. Uh, actually, Ferrari, was you think about some it, kind of Ferrari, it yeah. is it weird, or is it kind of works because this is an over sexualized like there's a lot of sexualization going on with I mean on a top and get into that but I almost feel like that was like almost her theme music yeah you could be onto something oh there yeah for sure. that might be some kind of motif it was quite a sexy movie to be on a top of things <laughs> should we just talk about her then sure how'd you feel buddy <laughs> yeah so I guess she got really horny for killing and hurting people and stuff she's quite the dominatrix yeah, to yeah. to an extreme <laughs> yeah the obviously the culmination or like the the biggest point was when she executed all the people in that control room like yeah it looked like 15 people all bloody and she like came 
Yeah. Even yeah. Ormal, I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and her, like, her power move was, like, thigh squish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious. I almost thought it was a lot for, uh, I'm not sure, like, with this movie, whether like, it was PG-13 or something, but I was like, thinking in the 90s, I was like, this is very sexualized, but I, I also... in the 90s. Yeah. It was it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, like, just far, like, pushing it right to the edge and then stopping. Yeah. Okay. Because it's, it's, there's nothing explicit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Zero extremely new. obvious, but, like, it's not, no one ever says, like... There's no elegance right. about it at all. Like, they're not doing it in a coy way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Pushing yeah. it right to the edge, just not going all the way. But the actor was great. I think she was, like, very believable. Like, a strong, powerful woman, you know, a very confident, badass. Uh, I know you called her, like, you know, and I think you were totally right, like, more of a dominatrix yeah. in her... Uh, mm. Personality. Um, I would that say I told you that before. It's a power move. The, the cigar, you mean? Yeah. And I, I think that's what like, oh, stood yeah. out to me. I, I felt like the cigar didn't fit with her for some reason. I you thought were like that we were watching. It, it was like it was like the cigar was standing out as if like I would just change that cigar for something small. Not be not to be like oh she can't smoke a big cigar. It just didn't work with uh, the rest of her style. I felt fair. I liked mm. it. But I like cigars and big cigars. Maybe it's <laughs> it's something uh, to like smoking after sex. Maybe there's something to that. Oh, okay. Uh, did you notice? I mean, Doctor No was quite a while ago, but like it was almost shot for shot that the opening scene where she, he's playing Shima Fair with Sylvia Trench, and she's like starting to lose and gets pissed off, and then they have a conversation after. Yeah, I mean, that's one of several nods, but that whole casino scene was pretty great. I, I noticed that when he did the Bond, James Bond thing, because it yeah. reminded me of that. Yeah. Exactly. And orders his drink. Man, he... Like, I love Craig mm-hmm. and and Connery. They're both cool. Like, Craig's, like, the best all around and a great actor, and Connery's the coolest. But if it wasn't for Connery, Brosnan would be the coolest. Mm-hmm. He's just so yeah. goddamn cool. Yeah. And confident and suave, like... Yeah, especially coming off all these friggin' Roger Moore ones, which is just yeah, silly. Oh like hmm. he's those movies feel like a G, at, not a PG or PG thirteen. It's like G. That feels like Disney after a Brazi. He has the thickest head of hair. Of <laughs> <laughs> That's something. This one yeah. gotta be known for something. Yeah. You know, we we're talking about honor top, on a top, or whatever you said. Um, Zenya, Zenya, Zenya um, on the top. I find the chemistry between her and Pierce Brosnan was electric. You could really feel it, especially mm. during that casino uh, scene. You could really see that there was a sexual tension. There was that intensity. I love that they were just like, you know, we got two things in common, we got three things in common. Like, I love how they were bringing that up. Their banter was working, and I felt, in, I know we're gonna probably talk about Natalia afterwards, but I felt that chemistry wasn't as strong as um, with double seven and on a top, she was better before she met Bond. Absolutely, yeah. we'll yes, talk about yeah, that yeah. after. But uh, yeah, you're right. That and obviously their fight scene, and even uh, when they're on the train and Bond parks the tank on the train, and Trevelyan and Zhenya like look ahead. Trevelyan's like pissed and like you fuck her, but Zhenya's turned on again. She's just like, oh my <laughs> god, this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like the, it's so great. The only part that kind of like threw me a little off is when they were fighting and 007 like <laughs> clearly like 
flipped her off. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, shit, she's dead. Like, I mean, she, I mean, she was trying be... to kill him, but yeah, he did just completely toss her. Yeah, and it was like, all right, her back must be broken. Nope. And then she was up, 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 still turned on somehow. It, it takes a helicopter to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's one of those villains that gets killed by her own method. Hmm. Which is so she, she just got squeezed up against a tree too hard, or what yeah. was that death? Yeah. <laughs> she was. What was her parachute? I guess. Or yeah. She, no, like she was. Grappling. Uh, she yeah, exactly. Her grappel, uh, grappling hook, and then he shot yeah. the helicopter, so it was like crashing or falling away, and that tugged her up. Yeah. That's Zeng, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about it? Because I know there's, you've got a lot of great. Uh, Do you want to go to? I mean, I used to really. Maybe we should talk about M and Money Penny last because they were both so awesome. And Natalia was mm-hmm. mostly good, but then kind of fell off a little bit. The 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 only, the main bad thing with Natalia is she did the classic thing of just was like I'm gonna fall in love and sleep with Bond for no mm-hmm. reason. Like, it took yeah again so too little. quickly. Like yeah. To crawl out of that burning, destroyed satellite depot in Cyber in Syria, oh, Jesus, Siberia, uh, hook up a dog sled in your t-shirt <laughs> and like make it to St. Petersburg and pose as a uh, a woman buying computers mm-hmm. for a bunch of schools to hack into whatever. Like she was really cool, badass. Yeah, yeah. And then she was kind of cool at the end again in her military fatigue when she was working alone. And then whenever, yeah. mm-hmm. but whenever she was with Bond, she kind of sucked. Yeah, she, yeah. She really, she lost that strong femininity. Like it's like she fell into these like very typical tropes. Like yeah. she, like you're absolutely right. I mean, she's a programmer. She, she, she. And knows how to use a gun. Yeah, I mean, like great uh, backstory. Very independent. And then as soon, like where I saw the change was at the tank scene. Oh. Where she was driving away, and then you could see it in her but, eyes. But I don't, I don't want to crit, or I don't want to critique that because some damsels do it poorly. Like when he Ormov is boozing, and she's like looking back, fully in love. Like look at this hero driving a tank, chasing down, trying to save me. That's a good damsel. That's like a lot more depth than you mm-hmm. often get. Like oftentimes damsels are just bouncing around mm-hmm. in the back seat. Like James, come find me. She's like. <laughs> I don't know. She's really into it. I love that look that she gives in the back of the car. I actually made a note of that. Like, that's rare that you get that kind of a thing. Where I don't know. It's not even vulnerability. It looks actually like love. Some, like you said, how do they fall in love so quick and just sleep with them? Mm-hmm. And it's not believable. She actually looks like she does like them. <laughs> but that was the peak. Yeah. That was the peak of her autonomy, independent woman. And then it went down to, I am now dependent on James Bond. And I felt like that was where her character's arc uh, went down for me. Yeah, I don't disagree. At, at least she did, like, she saved him with, she brought the helicopter over at the end, and, like, mm-hmm. she was useful. She wasn't she, in the way. She saved the day, too, hacking that computer while he was just busy making That's a distraction. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She just, yeah, had a few flaws and fell off a few times, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I feel as Again, if, like, she was saving the day in the satellite at the end when she wasn't with him. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. off on her own, she's always great. Well, that's the thing, and I think as an actor too, I felt like she, her when she would play the character of the kind of the damsel when she's complaining with him, like, "Oh, I don't want to be in a helicopter with you" or whatever it was. I I felt like I didn't like that demeanor. It's like you just flew a helicopter by yourself. You just did this by yourself, and now you're falling mm. back into this like 
Uh, I'm gonna complain about your driving. I this might be the director or the producer, like the movie's direction fault more than hers, because she could be so good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to blame this necessarily on, because it's not even the writing. Like the lines aren't necessarily bad. It's just how she plays it or how they told her to play it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a little weird. She's not a consistent yeah. character. But probably no. the character that, if I had to choose a female character, probably the one that I like the least. Just because all the other ones were just so special. Besides the therapist, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the therapist but was she just was only like, like uh, 30 seconds. Yeah. I, I do, mean, I gotta say, before I forget, the friggin' Bollinger in the, in like the little console, like the bottle of champagne in his car. <laughs> I gotta get that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Rob move. Yes, for sure. And I don't think I would have champagne. It'd be like whiskey and two glasses or a couple tall boys maybe. But to think and like I mean send us our your your comments. Um what I mean would that work for a woman like you're you're driving you're having this conversation and then uh, you press a button and champagne goes out and then they're obviously she's obviously smitten by him cuz he has champagne in his car. Certainly depends. And this is the 90s too. Like I mean this was before car phones. Um, 2021 just depends on who you're driving around I would say. Okay. And at what point you break it out, and here we are again talking about what women want with no women here. <laughs> Did you like, uh, you had to like Money Penny in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene, uh... within like five minutes, Bond totally got owned by Money Penny and M. It was pretty good. Like, <laughs> Bond, like, you know, this could be sexual harassment. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, what, what was it. his response to that? Uh, Where does that oh, end? Like, or what does something that about get the consequences? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then she was like, "You'd have to like follow through." Yeah, yeah. It almost like gave the. From the... what I remember, you've never had me. <laughs> it, yeah. it it almost gave the sense that they wanted this James Bond to be suave and everything, but that he had some kind of stronger i don't want to like say like female elders almost like i felt like money penny and m were kind of like these maternal i think they were aware at this point like <laughs> nowadays assholes on the right would accuse this movie of being woke and overcorrecting mm -hmm. their former mistakes which isn't right they're just keeping with the times as bond always does i think they're acknowledging like m calling him a misogynistic mm -hmm. dinosaur yeah. they're acknowledging our shitty past and we're moving forward here We've that, that was the line that epitomized this whole transition here she was like like because it was this whole thing of of he thinks that she's like i don't know some like shitty replacement uh and then she's like but and i think you're some like misogynistic dinosaur exactly it's like yeah yeah and they slowly and no realize they that. need each yeah. other. I, I like that he was able to do it. it. You settle into the normal Bond movie. He seduces the psychiatrist. He flirts with Money Penny and kind of gets shut down. Like, whoa, that was different. And then M fully puts that nail in the coffin. Like, yeah. This isn't that anymore. Well, we're used to Bond having the last word. He's always got that quick last line before the scene turns. Especially and now, with Money Penny. Yeah, and Although, now she's got the last line. Now M's got the last line, and he's got nothing. It's like, I, good. I don't know. If you, some of these old ones, as soon as Bond closes the door, Money Penny would have another word. But often. not at his face. Not often to his face, no. But their, their chemistry is always great. I don't know. And that's Judy Dent, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what an incredible actor. I actually saw somebody talking about that 
with No Time to Die coming up, how there, there's a female 007, and people are like, oh my god, James Bond is now going to be a woman. Oh, they're, they're going woke. They're going whatever. And it's overreactionary and ridiculous and shows that they don't know these movies at all because they've done stuff like this time and time again with very strong, awesome female characters. And they've had progressive things throughout the entire franchise. And also... 007 does not mean you're James Bond. That's just your damn code name. Yeah. <laughs> know yeah. this shit before you talk about it. Uh, so this is one flaw in our chronology, but it, I don't know if it's a flaw. We can work it out somehow. We've had Judy Dench was M in Casino Royale, Quantum, and Tomorrow Never mm -hmm. Dies. So she like maybe she didn't like it and like went back to analysis. Like she had to maybe she uh, had a couple kids. Or something and didn't want the top job for a while. Sorry if that was sexist. My, my thought was just like that that was like a temporary thing. Because it was short-lived in our chronology anyway. It was a few movies. Three, three so movies, That was like yeah. a, a fill-in, maybe like, you know, some kind of administration situation. M was sick. And was, uh, yeah. or Bernard Lee's M was uh, yeah. getting chemo. Hmm. Or yeah, or there was like, Sorry. maybe there was, because Bond was small time at this point. Maybe there was bigger things going on and she was like... His the, mentor. Yeah, like the third or fourth in command or yada yada. And since then, he has gone like, I liked you, Bond. I trained you. Now you've become this misogynistic pig, this dinosaur who only cares about field work and you've forgotten what analysis is. We need to work together. It, mm. Yeah, it kind of works. Well, I would say my only complaint is that they had, what, one scene with them? Yeah, yeah, she's not in this one much. Like, you're going to have a top-of-the-line actor put her in for that scene. Which... But that's usual. Like, M isn't in these movies right. much. Mm -hmm. She's in it, like, the character of M is in it more because she's mm -hmm. M going forward. Like, she's in it more and more going forward. And arguably, it's the same with Q. Q has his, like... Q's barely at all. He's got his moments. He's getting there for... Yeah. He's only got two movies left, and he's in rough shape. When my, <laughs> my first line I wrote down was, yeah, like, oh, he's a little old. No. Old, and I swear, when he's explaining something, like when the when you can see both of them, Bond's on the left and he's on the right, and he's holding something with those giant mitts of his, he's looking off to the left while he's talking to him, like he's reading his lines. Mm -hmm. He kept looking over, and I think he's actually reading cue cards. Pun intended. Cue cards. <laughs> and he uh, is delivering it more line. slowly, and he yeah. was just like, yeah. But I think he was like, I don't remember what the line was, but it seemed like he was genuinely laughing at some stuff that he totally. was Totally. Yeah, all that being said, it's one of the best Q lab scenes in any of the movies. There's so yeah. much humor going on that wasn't overly cheesy and annoying. And yeah. there was one that genuinely surprised me. It got kind of quiet for a second, and the guy ejected out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. And the, don't touch that. That's my That's lunch. That's my lunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, watching that whole scene... All that came over me was I really want to watch Austin Powers again. And I mean, if you guys ever get to a point where you're like, all right, we did all the 007s, I'm sure you guys could like do a little analysis of Bond with well, we've Austin talked Powers. About because yeah. so I do really want to do that, yeah. Yeah, well, we're talking about that. Like, We'll, we'll take a break once the 25 movies are done and like a post-game analysis. We're mm -hmm. going to take a break, but we might come back here. Like, There might be news of the next Bond or something like that. We might do one. And then, yeah, random specials like that. Like spoof movies like Austin Powers and Get Smart and The Kingsman mm. and then other like you can even do Born and mm. uh, Mission Impossible there's so many movies that are based or not even based but direct heavily influenced mm -hmm. 
you and I should talk about the. I know how much you love the Nolan Batman trilogy. Mm. Those are basically ba- um, James Bond movies. Like you're saying, Christopher Nolan always wanted to do a yeah. 007 movie. Did you see Black Widow yet? I haven't. It's on my list. I haven't seen Suicide Squad either. But Black Widow is a James Bond movie. Really? Oh, yeah. We'll huh. talk about that. We've already talked about it on the podcast. Well, you and I can talk about that privately. Sorry, Adam. That's okay. Uh, speaking of allies, um, I had forgotten. Like, when Jack Wade shows up, the CIA yeah. guy, I'm like, why him instead of Felix? But three movies ago, Felix got eaten by a shark, so that mm. makes sense. And I feel like it's... the wanted to bring back jw pepper without bringing back jw pepper Uh, uh, yeah that's a fair point i didn't really think of that it's like a mix between him and felix like a not as you know jw pepper definitely had some like southern racist kind of style i felt like this was like a moderate jw pepper he was just like an american character not quite so bad but abrasive Mm -hmm. and kind of rude but but like funny in the way pepper was but not like cringy in the way pepper was (laughs) yeah I liked yeah. him. Like, yeah, he's, he, yeah. This is the second time we've seen him on the podcast. First in uh, release order. He was in Tomorrow Never Dies, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. He was also the villain, one of the two or three villains in The Living Daylights. Yeah. The same mm-hmm. actor. Same Different actor. character, same actor. Okay. Which happens a few times. They reuse the same actor. So that line Wade has where he says, Bond, are you, do you know anything about gardening? Yeah. What was, what was that supposed to be a reference? That's a great to? question. And then it cuts to them the like rose, fixing his car or something. He had the rose tattoo on his yeah. ass. Did it have something to do yeah. with helping me with my wife who likes gardening? I don't know. That line confuses me too. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it felt like it was, it was having to set something else up. Maybe it's maybe it's a subtlety because you're right. Maybe it has to do with this flower. Maybe he was trying to like break the ice about his wife, the flower, or something like that. And you're right. When the car broke down, I think that was kind of like a almost like a subtle comedic thing of him being like how's this car it's like oh it's great and the next scene the car is broken down so i almost mm-hmm. feel like there's like almost like a i don't want to, i almost feel like it's like a, like a kind of like a subtle british humor kind of style like almost like a monty python kind yeah, of yeah. like little side job because it didn't seem to have any other weight i thought it would come back later but you're right nothing at all but it was clearly said for it to have an impact yeah 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 again anybody knows please uh, answer <laughs> Send that in. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Hagrid earlier. Hagrid earlier. How'd you feel about Valentine? He's a cool character. Uh, it was nice having this like past alluded to without it being super relevant. But it's just like, yeah, like we had this thing happen before, but we're working through it. It's fine. Yeah, his Russian counterpart, who he used to have a feud with, but mm-hmm. now doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of like how yeah. a- M and Gogol had a few moments often. How they were each other's counterpart, and they had a lot of good scenes together. Gogol is like the M's counterpart mm-hmm. in Russia. Um, I almost felt like Hagrid had a better, I call him Hagrid, I kind of felt like he had a better kind of like uh, scene than 006. I, I know you were saying 006 and 007 have this like really big connection. I didn't feel as much where I thought like Hagrid and 007 had uh, this kind of like, oh you again, it's like, I know this gun, you know, like I thought that's like a really cool uh, like moment between two old yeah, foes. I love that scene, but it doesn't, for me, take away from whatever is going on between, like, how personal Bond takes Trevelyan's betrayal. I yeah. You fine? Yeah. Oh, he's, like, devastated. And, like, that whole scene with him and Natalia on the beach, like, he's really conflicted about it. And when, hmm. when he first steps out of the shadows in that 
crazy little statue graveyard. He's like really actually devastated. And M knows it. M says, uh, can you make it not personal because Ormov's involved? I have this whole theory and in Skyfall, it'll back me up. These two were lovers for a while. Bond <laughs> We used to share everything and uh, for England James, no for me. Like I used to love that. That was you, a Alex. great line. And he drops him. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's the a only thing theory. with that. I, I found it wasn't set up enough. Like, because we just get that opening scene where they have a mission together and then he's dead and it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, this is from watching it 10 times and watching all the other movies so many times. And Bond has ex- certainly been with men in the past. And I feel like Trevelyan is who that was. But wouldn't that make the movie even better if they would have developed that? Maybe it was a thing that they didn't want to. Well, they could not saying that they're going to develop like this kind of relationship, but it could have not in ninety five. It could have also been some kind of like brotherly thing, so it's a lot more impactful. Like sure. okay, and I don't think they intended for it to be. Uh, I'm saying in my world, okay. in my brain, I don't yeah, think yeah. they like the writers didn't mean like your this. rogue theory going on. Yes, here. exactly. Like my rogue yeah. chronology. This is just me. <laughs> And I don't know because he does, and this is just Brazi, like I said earlier, going back and forth between quippy, campy to super serious. He gets really dark when he's talking to Alec and about Alec in this. Like he, yeah, he takes it really hard beyond just an agent who flipped. It's like they were really tight. Well, even when Giannis was like making or trying to make out with Natalia, like it, it, it seemed. I mean, he was forcing himself on her, but it didn't seem like. Like, in that moment, I was like, yeah, you know, he probably could try to make out with Double Seven Privy. It might be a bit more legit than, like, him forcing himself yeah, on her. It's unfortunate, that little, that little rapey scene of his. Yeah. Well, he's a villain being a villain, so. Yeah, being quite a maniac at that point. I was going to yeah. say about uh, Brosnan, he, like, when you were saying about the serious stuff and with those, like, that conversation with M and with that stuff with 006 as well, there's a lot of times where he just doesn't respond to what people say. He just doesn't say anything, yeah. uh, and I, I I almost like that amb- ambiguity. Like he just has some kind of facial expression, and that, you're like, I you're, don't know. You're tapping into uh, Fleming's Bond a lot there. Like that's how he was in the books. He often wouldn't respond. It was all internal, and that's one of the things that makes him such a good spy. He's hard to read, and why he's like mm. so good at poker and so good at cards mm-hmm. is because nobody really knows what's going on. So that's that's a good compliment. That makes a lot good, of sense. good catch. Yeah. Well, there's only one moment where I felt James Bond was actually, and maybe there's other ones, but where I was like, oh, he looks actually distraught. And it was when he woke up in the helicopter and an Italian <laughs> scream behind him. Yeah. He's trying to get, he's hitting his head, it's hitting his head on the, um, like that was the only time where I felt like, oh, he's actually. It's the only uh, time you were too. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Oh yeah. I was, <laughs> she was yelling in back and like, that was the yeah. only moment where I was just like, okay, Bond's not in control. I always. Yeah, what the- that scene is hilarious. Who puts a, an emergency escape next to your head? Like, what if he sneezed or something? Like, I sneeze violently sometimes. Or, like, nods <laughs> no, off do. and just bangs his head. Yeah. He's a, another good example of a blunt instrument, as you always use for Craig. Because he just fucking, you know, hits it, like, throws his head at the buttons. Like, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, care. He yeah. just does the stuff. It's funny, because early in the movie, we were saying how he's not as physical. Like, compared right. to Roger Moore, he sure is, but... Yeah. When was it? Like he in his suit, you don't know what he's packing underneath there. He doesn't look buff, and he looks mm-hmm. kind of short. Like he doesn't look like he can handle himself until he starts to. Like his mm-hmm. fight with speaking again of his and Trevelyan's relationship, their like hand to hand combat is one of the grittiest of all the hand to hand fights in the whole series. Yeah. 
you were saying it's really well choreographed, but it's it like was. violent and personal for and, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, but it was the a really good fight. I think you you brought up a good point with the physicality. Like um, Brazen was the Michael Keaton of the nineties for Batman, whereas. Daniel Craig is a Christian Bale sure. of the Dark Knight, or you can even say yeah. Ben Affleck. Like, they're they're just like so balked, and I think it, it was kind of nice watching this as an adult, the Brazen one, because I was just like, you know, you look at Daniel Craig and you're like, that guy is ripped beyond He's belief. Thor. Yeah, absolutely. And you're watching, like, I'm watching uh, Pierce Brosnan being like, okay, That's I could get to, I could get to that physicality, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Daniel Craig, Christian Bale, you name it, it's like you're off on another planet. You, you've had I a can't. personal trainer for months training for this movie. Exactly. For yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that took and away from the believability because when it did start, like when Pierce Brosnan was going on the boat to kind of like see what was going on or whatever he was doing, I almost felt like I even told you, I was like, he's almost not even believable. He looks like just like a father, yeah, like just a young a father yeah. trying to go into this where... I thought that too, when he was investigating the, the when he was following Xenia early on when she killed the Canadian general dude to steal the helicopter and Bond like breaks onto that boat, he did just look like a tourist who got lost. It was so <laughs> funny. But yeah. again, back to him just not giving a fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beating up that sailor. <laughs> I loved the Trevelyan line uh, at the end when they have their little palaver there when they're chatting and uh, don't get all Freudian on me now we're yeah. going to talk about or I should just ask you if all the martinis silence the screams of all the men you've killed or whatever mm. again he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly again adding to the uh, the chronology really starting to make sense yeah like he's damaged at this point mm. it's like he's really not addressing stuff like he he kind of tried in our previous like license to kill and stuff and then now he's like you know what i'm tired of thinking about it and yeah, trying I'm to get through it into I'm the just... job yeah yeah it would you know what they could have done to kind of uh help draw that bridge with all these questions that we're having with like 006 007 and like times like that where you're trying to like understand the the psychology like they could have done something between those nine years later or maybe you saw 007 in some kind of therapy kind of like maybe yeah. having some kind of debrief from what just happened seeing his partner or seeing somebody who's close to 006 yeah. pass away like I feel they could have had a moment where they would have strengthened that bond between 006 and 007 without uh, making the movie so much higher and I think that nine years later was just a bit of of a wasted gap. Yeah, it's it's a big gap. You yeah. don't get that in any other of these movies. But yeah, you might be able to get away with that now, or maybe even some of the 60s, 70s movies, but 95, six years since your last movie, they weren't going to... They should have said six years later. Yeah. Because it was six years since the last movie. Like, come on. Like, yeah. nine years later, we'd be in 2030. Like, I mean... I think it's because the pre-title sequence took place in communist Russia, had to be nine years later to catch up to 95 to enough time had to pass that yeah. it's definitely not communist Russia anymore all the the switchover has completely finished mm -hmm. which took that long okay that makes sense so like post-cold yeah. war yeah exactly that's and then the pre-title sequence was all the uh -huh. stuff falling all like the hammer and the sickle and the statues mm -hmm. and all that coming down was to symbolize all that time and I guess sense, yeah. Yeah. maybe it's just that you're, it was a 90s trope that there's the USSR, the Russians were always the antagonist. And I was just like, all it's right, not, well, this is a Rocky Four thing. 
Yeah, that's more even 80s. But yeah, you're right. A lot of action flicks, it was always the Russians. But that's, I mean, in Bond, too. But it ended up, like in most Bond movies, the Russians are always uh, involved, but it's not usually the Russian state is the bad mm -hmm. guy. In this case, it was a rogue general and a rogue, disillusioned uh, British agent. Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually Russia that was behind it. Russians weren't the bad guys. It was a yeah, former a Nazi and a general who wanted some money, who felt betrayed by his country. Mm -hmm. Like, the... The defense minister, Mishkin, like he was a good guy. He got killed. It wasn't the actual Russian state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of '90s tropes, the the computers. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like yeah. Boris's password being chair. I don't think that would, like, you couldn't even do that on anything. Like, a password to a video game wouldn't let you put chair right now. Where's your special characters and your cats? <laughs> I I thought it was funny at the beginning when there's like that. I don't know, sexy pixel art that he did yeah, or something. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to post it on the internet. Yeah, I should post it on the internet. I like his little yeah. knockers pun, too. <laughs> In front of you, and it opens big big doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I liked when, uh, at the end, when he's like trying to uh, undo the codes or, or something and everything's blowing up and he's like he takes the monitor and he shakes it aggressively he says, speak to me! <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's oh, a lot man. of people's favorites. For like the, uh, I don't know if he has a label, that type of character. There's often, like he's not a hench person. He's the tech guy. There's, remember? Uh, hacker man. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies have one of those, the big yeah. guy there. There's been a few of them. I like how he froze him, you know, his ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm invincible. Yeah. I he's was frozen seeing... like a like a computer. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. I wanted to ask if you can think of another uh, hench person, hench woman. Has there been hench. another one? Um, like I don't know. Rosa oh, um, what's her name in the movie with the bond in it? Um, <laughs> oh, Fiona Volpe was. Yeah, exactly. You you know what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't the main. Well, because she died like two thirds through. Like the Xenia was like the Red Grant, like full on the hench person in this one. Yeah, but she she was too. That movie was just like yeah, long and slow and weird. Long and different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we had um, Cleb kind of was yeah. in between villain and hench person. She did have a shoe that turned into a knife. Mm -hmm. And in Honor <laughs> Majesties, there was the rehab woman, kind of. Ir Irma Boont. Irma Boont. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Octopussy wasn't really right. She was just a fake villain, and then was an ally. Yeah, she wasn't. Mm. She certainly wasn't a hench person. You had like five hench people in that one. Mm. I'm not sure how like the other movies stand up to this, but I find like this movie was well contained. And again, I can just compare it to um, Live and Let Die, where I felt like they were just going from one place to another mm. without it being yeah, this... intentional. I felt like all the movements of where they were going was quite contained. Like I mean, it's mostly going on like we had. I think we we're saying it was in France for France, most of it. London, Russia, Russia, Cuba. Cuba. And everything had its moments, like we were here for a reason. Yeah, there, there was one, I think it was Moonraker, where you couldn't look up for a second because he got the next destination on a piece of paper in a safe. So like, yeah. it's just Bond, mm -hmm. no dialogue for like five minutes, wandering through an office, finds a piece of paper, sees that they ordered some flasks, basically, some yeah. uh, lab gear mm -hmm. from a place in Switzerland or something. Then the next day he's in Switzerland. Mm. You're like, why the fuck is he in Switzerland? How did he know to come here? It was mm -hmm. just on a piece of right. paper. 
Yeah. So I like that that was easier to follow, and I felt like the dialogue, I mean, I just find that this Pierce Brosnan, I know you were saying, Adam, that like there are some moments that he wasn't responding, but I feel like when he was, like his one-liners were great, and maybe they were a little corny, a little campy, but I was telling Rob that too, corny, campy, one-liner James Bond is who I think James Bond is supposed to be because I yeah. didn't see Roger Moore so growing up it's like Pierce Brosnan right away so he's supposed to be campy and I was telling Rob that too that with this when Daniel Craig went on the scene um, it was a bit of a shock I loved it because it was grittier it was darker I would compare if you again going back to Batman Michael Keaton to Christian Bale like a lot darker a lot grittier and I'm engaged on this but I found that this I don't like iteration I don't like the was because I like Michael Keaton more than Christian Bale Oh, I'm saying for like the darker like and the. I agree. Yeah. I would well, say Michael Keaton's a better than Brosnan. Like he was, because he's Batman. Batman. And I know, I know we're changing subjects all at all, but like <laughs> yeah. in the sense, like I mean, he's he's no uh, Adam Adam West. Adam West. Yeah. But I feel like Pierce Brosnan was. I like this movie more. If I were to compare it just to the other one, I like this movie so much more just because it was so nostalgic and, and it was very comfortable. But and it works within this movie, and it's not really over the top. Even in Tomorrow Never Dies, they were worse. And where we're going when Die Another Day comes along, it's ridiculous. Like the, mm. I think you can do it too much. It became a parody of itself, okay. which is one of the reasons he yeah. got, they let him go earlier than they planned on. Mm. He could have done as many as Moore did. He looked as good in his last one as he does in Goldeneye. Mm. Unlike Roger Moore, who mm. looked like he should be in a retirement home in his like fourth or fifth movie, and he did seven. Uh, yeah. Like it wasn't that he couldn't act or didn't look good. It's because they just got so silly. They mm. like Austin Powers and uh, Bond could have been the same movie by Brosnan's last one. It was that ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies was the second one or the third or the second. Second. Okay. The, the, the one we're doing next week is The World Is Not Enough. And it's not, it's the one that's been my favorite of his for a while. Because it, it's a bit sillier, but it still has some good moments. It's not completely outrageous. Is that with Halle Berry? No, that's Die Another Day. Gotcha. Although Denise Richards is in The World Is Not Enough. Oh, no way, okay. As a nuclear scientist. Okay. And yeah, well, we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Um, but there is another amazing female character in the next one. Hmm. We got a lot of good female characters coming up. I, I do agree, though. I think maybe it's just my age in the 90s and stuff, but there's something really cozy about this style of movie and, like, the tone, and it just, like, makes sense to me. It, it's certainly fun and easy to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, the film dork in me loves all the old ones, but even I'm bored sometimes. Mm -hmm. or, like, I got to be in the mood for that. And this is just fun. Like, it's not yeah. a chore. Unlike some of... Sometimes uh, a Monday night after you've been working all day, watching a 70s more movie is a bit of a chore at some points. Well, I feel like... Because, like, Honor Majesties or From Russia With Love, like, the, like there's an artfulness to those older ones. And then, the, then from the 70s and 80s, from what we've seen, uh, it's so hit or miss. Yeah, Like, yeah. it's either, but like, even garbagey or... It's, Maybe it's good or... Yeah. Even the really artful ones, though, it's hard to watch sometimes. Like, I wouldn't want to watch Honor Majesty's Secret Service at any point. It's two and a half hours. It's intense. It's dark. It's yeah. really good. It's like how I don't always... Like, I love The Godfather, but I'm not going to watch that after working in the sun all day. Mm, even though... Yeah. Or good... You know what I mean? Uh, whereas Die Hard or Goldeneye 
or yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. Raiders, something like really awesome, Jurassic Park, like you mentioned earlier. Something that's just exciting and mm-hmm. fun, but still really well made. Yeah. I had one deception point with this movie, like I was praising the Giannis and uh, 007 fight scene at the end, but they were on the, the ladder, <laughs> just about to fall, and Double Seven was holding on with one arm, and I was like, that must really hurt to be holding on with just one arm. And so I was thinking he's going to clearly put his second arm on the, the ladder because there's nothing wrong with his arm, so he should be able to just do this. And for some reason, they have this kind of moment where he's just swinging, trying to put his second arm on the ladder, which is very possible, and he just doesn't do it. And it really bothered me <laughs> because right after that, well, you know, Double Six came down, stomped on his uh, hand, he fell, whatever, and kept on fighting. But right after that scene, he jumps with two hands and holds <laughs> on to the helicopter. And I was like, right. why can you do that? But you can't take your second arm like, we must on have, this ladder. We must have missed it. He must have hurt his right shoulder or his right arm somewhere, and we just missed it. Maybe up in their fight, he got stabbed in the arm or something, and that's why he couldn't. But then right after, yeah, he totally does yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that's what it was because I understand they were trying to create tension but yeah. it was just like Stupid. you got this great choreography this fight you're you're both like these specialized operatives like you can fight and yet the 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 tension to the climax is you not being able to put your right arm on a ladder I was I was a little disappointed with that but that's probably just like a little more of a pet peeve than anything else and it just made me think of Star Wars too <laughs> It was really cool to see um, double two double O's fight each other. Yeah, I did like that aspect of this movie. The the equals. Mm-hmm. Often we talk about a really good Bond girl is when she's his equal and they like have some good. They 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 know how to handle each other. We don't often get a villain that is his equal. This is mm-hmm. one of the first British villains in a long time. Normally it's a foreign, uh, either bro general or uh, you know the industrialist. Well, that's the thing. He he was Russian, you know, uh, transported Nazi to Russian. Britain. Yeah, 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 Nazi Russian. Yeah, <laughs> not a not or, just not just a Nazi, not just a Russian, but a, a, a Russian Nazi and a betrayer and a, and yeah. a traitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that bastard, Sean B. I, I do like that we've had. Uh, you mentioned the drips and drabs from his past, and we got we heard about when he was made an orphan and his parents yeah. killed in a climbing accident. More and more of that, like that also works for this, as you'll see coming up, because a lot of people criticize the Craig era for leaning into that too much. But it's watching all of them and then getting to the end of his career, it makes sense that he's finally coming to terms with all this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Haunt, like all the skeletons are coming out of the closet. Yeah. And you know, there's so much analyzing you can do on that. There's so much analyzing on like how he coped with that based on his relationship with women, based on his relationship with death based on just uh, chip on your soldier shoulder shoulder mm-hmm. being an orphan being taken care of making you be a soldier making you have like uh, government become that kind of parental figure for you where yeah. mm-hmm. you know that becomes your uh, your values are centered around that I mean it, it, it only makes sense that if the Daniel Craig era is 007 retiring, which I could be totally wrong, but if that's where they're going with it, well, it makes sense that he's somewhere going to be having to confront his past and make peace with it so that he can move on. Because it seems like his coping mechanism before was women, you know, in a lot of ways. And then that has caused him more trouble than good, over, as we've seen in a lot of ways. Uh, and then he's throwing himself into his work as his coping mechanism. Yeah, mm-hmm. work and 
than women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But mostly work. Yeah, the mission. Save England from its enemies. Basically. And alcohol. And booze. I, I was going to say, did you like the scene with them? Uh, they're drinking bourbon together? That must yeah, be your favorite, mm, Rob. I, I did like that. Your predecessor kept the, the cognac. Ah, I prefer bourbon. Yeah. yeah. Ice, please. Yeah. Oh, I, I love... That's like my favorite scene in the whole movie. I always love M and Bond in, in M's office. But I didn't like their office. Coming from... I mean, we've just watched all the old ones. It's jarring where Money Penny was in this huge wooden room. And then M's mm. office it was a little weird looking, but... We yeah, gotta yeah. we gotta cope with that for several movies till we get to refines. There's something to be said for I think layers. I've only seen a few of these movies now, but I find those underground henchmen villain layers are uh, just one and the same. Like they always have that same kind of style to it. There's rock, sometimes there's water, there's just things exploding and there are um, better ones. Yeah. And worse ones for sure. Mm -hmm. This one wasn't big on sets, this mm -hmm. movie. The later ones aren't as much because it's less impressive and they don't focus on it as much. It's really like in the sixties, it was much more moving. Uh, and you can tell that they elaborately built them and they shoot it from really far away. So you mm -hmm. can see every nook and cranny of these things. They don't focus on it as much in the nineties. Well, the even miniatures looking, are amazing. The outside, uh, all the explosions outside, they were just little, like the satellite when that came down was just mm -hmm. a little satellite that they made look really huge. Yeah. The same with the satellite at the end and what was the, oh, like the dam, all, all kinds mm. of these, uh, these miniatures look really cool. That's what I like in the new ones. Well, even looking at this movie, I was interested to see what was going to be uh, the style the director was going to take. Again, go on uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, it's like, all right, chase, boat chase, car chase, plane chase, on the ground, like chase is like a big, big thing. Tomorrow dies or live and let die. Sorry, live and let die. Sorry. So lots of dying. Lots of yeah, lots of chasing, lots of dying. Um, and I was kind of wondering, what is this going to be? And this just felt, I I, I want to say typical. Like there wasn't like an, an extreme chase. There were some great chases. There wasn't. There was some, like the best chase. Yeah. We haven't with talked, the, sorry, with I, the, the the tank. tank you mean yeah. yeah. But there wasn't like, I felt as if some movies they might be over-exaggerating one type of style. They're like, oh, look what we can do now with technology, and this is what we're doing with our sure. movie. This one was balanced. Yeah, yeah. Like, you had good chases, good fights. It was just, it was, I felt it was a good, it's a good balanced movie. movie. Did you know it's, yeah. it's the same director as uh, Casino Royale? Oh, okay, that makes Martin a lot Campbell. of sense. Martin yeah. Campbell. Yeah, he's good at making a, like you said at one point tonight, it's a one-off movie. Like, this is yeah. one that you can yeah. watch without seeing all the other ones. Yeah, there's, you don't have to care about Bond to watch this action movie, mm -hmm. like the yeah, spy exactly. action. Yeah. And to be honest, Casino Royale is probably my favorite James Bond. Yeah, it's up there for me. This one's usually top, it's around 10, so top mm -hmm. 10. Mm -hmm. The tank scene was pretty yeah. cool. Of course, it was, you know, it was the like, you're two thirds or three quarters through the movie and there's this long drawn out action scene, so Adam like looks away for a while. <laughs> uh, but I, I was like, this is awesome. I like the music. There's a tank. Like, mm -hmm. cool. The first, like, they had so many shots of the tanks. He kept looking over at them and then hiding behind them. Then looking at another one. Like, getting that fucking tank, bro. You know, you're getting that <laughs> tank. And then bust through that wall. And then the unnecessary, like, what is it? 540 degree turn. Like, instead of turning right, he turns left and does a full <laughs> circle and a half. I love it. To the first time in this movie, we hear the Bond theme blare out. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that scene gives me chills. And then it does go on for a little long, but the music is amazing and the straightening the tie. 
-hmm. and taking out that statue. There, yeah, and there's the stunt guys in it are crazy. All the the cars that blow up and get crushed and go into the river. Yeah, I always love some stunt men who clearly risk their lives. <laughs> so funny and ironic. I, I was like watching Lethal Weapon not too long ago, and I feel like one. Uh, I think it's the second one. It's the uh, best one. Yeah. It's good. And I was watching notes. You know, he was like going, "I'm too old for this shit," you know. And then having to do and just like doing it all nonchalantly. But then like with this one, it's just like, it's it's basically like you see a tank and then you you cut and then there's just James Bond a tank being like, "Well, now I'm in a tank." <laughs> like no, like oh, this is gonna be really shitty. How the hell am I gonna get into a tank? Let alone know how to drive it. Let alone are the keys gonna be out with the he hot box? Like he was just like, "I'm in it," <laughs> and you're like, "All right." And he's like this, it's like this happy little kid in a tank just. What, what's the name in the Matrix? Dozer? He calls up Dozer and says, hey, can you chip in uh, how to drive a whatever year tank this is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows how to drive everything. <laughs> yeah, he was in the Navy. I don't know when he got his tank training, but whatever. I mean, it, it can't be much harder than driving a, uh, like a giant backhoe, which mm -hmm. he drove in Casino Royale. So There you go. There you go. Did, did you hate the... Uh, I forget what the word you... Oh, like the... I don't remember the term, but the... They show the pen thing. There's a whole big drawn out scene uh, with, with Q. Reverse like, engineering? Oh. Yeah, reverse engineering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that and the belt. Like, the Brosnan ones, it, like, this isn't the most egregious case. It happens even worse in the next two movies. But, yeah, that bugs me a little bit. This one isn't so bad because it's one of the first of his well it is the first one of his where they do it so bad but i, I did like the, the way that it came in at the end where it's like oh boris has like kind of a neurotic tick when he's nervous mm -hmm. uh, right yeah exactly it was done pen, yeah yeah it was done in a clever way and the belt they made a joke about it because natalia looked at him like why the fuck are you taking your belt off mm -hmm. and uh with the watch they also used it in a clever way because trevelyan knew to turn it mm -hmm. off because he had yeah. used it before so it was a bit smarter like it was, mm. it was reverse engineered in a way, but they, it wasn't super simple. Yeah, As like it all, actually made sense. They were intentional. Yeah. Like it, it was used for a reason. That's another example of how Brazi is really lucky. Cause like that pen thing kind of saved their asses. And it's like, if he didn't happen to have that particular neurotic tick, like. Right. You know, well, if they didn't, it. then he would have just saved them some other way. Bond always <laughs> finds a way. He would have just turned that pen on himself. Which would have seduced his old boyfriend, Alec. Were you guys not confused, though? Like, he's playing with a pen. I know you, it's three to arm, and then <laughs> I've tried one to, to disarm or something like that. It's like, he's just like flipping on, and then flipping, and I'm like, all right, what, what number are we at? Are we at four? Do we have to restart? Like, are we at, like, do we have to go to, like, Because yeah, right, he would then... just do two every time. He would never do three until the when he does. Yeah. But if he did, like, one, two, he'd do two, and then he'd do another one, two, he'd be at four. But would that be disarming it? And then he does another two. Like, I was just like... It had to be three quickly, I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Three in a row. I think that brought a lot of tension. Like, I liked that yeah. scene because I was just like, okay, when's this going to happen? Yeah. There's a lot of great tension in this one. Mm -hmm. This is a damn good movie. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It's one of... Actually, it's... Yeah, very high for me, I think. Yeah, overall. yeah. Me too. Through this watching, it, it's gone up in my books. Good. Yeah. I'm very happy with this one. On that note, let's wrap up. Yeah. This one's going long, and it deserves it. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. The the people watching at home will be pleased. Goldeneye deserves a long chat. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, if you would like to comment on that or anything else or send us a comment, uh, check out Instagram or Twitter uh, at 007 Bon Voyage or email us at 007 Bon Voyage at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, JP. This was great. As always, you have wonderful insight. It's always a relief knowing you're coming on, so I know I don't have to talk so much. It's always a pleasure to be part of the team. Thanks for uh, letting me come back. Of course. Thanks for being here. Maybe if we do Austin Powers in the future, you can join us. 100% down for that. Right on. Perfect. Anything else, Adam? That's it for me, boss. Right on. We'll see you next week for The World Is Not Enough. Bon voyage, everybody. Bon voyage. Bon voyage.